منذ بدايه رحله القمه حتى اليوم تغير واقعنا وتغيرت كذلك توقعاتنا وتغير فهمنا للمستقبل That was UAE Minister of Cabinet Affairs Mohammed Al Gregawi opening up this year's World Government Summit now underway in Dubai. He laid out how the world is changing, a rebalance of power, of demographics, of our relationship to technology and energy. Today, we're digging into that rebalance by looking east, to the center of major emerging economies like India and Indonesia, and to a rapidly reopening China. What paths in tech, energy, and innovation are opening up between Asia and the Middle East? You're listening to Business Extra, coming to you from Dubai on the sidelines of the World Government Summit. I'm your host, Kelsey Warner. Mustafa Al-Rawi, my usual co-host, is out this week. And before we start, please do subscribe wherever you get content. Okay, let's get into it. I'm far from alone with two guests today, Adele Al-Falasi and Ben Simfendorfer, both partners at the advisory firm Oliver Wyman, where we're now sitting today. Adel, you're based here in the UAE as the head of the Abu Dhabi office. And Ben, you're visiting from Hong Kong. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with both of you today. So Ben, you wrote The New Silk Road, a book that uh, looked at this rebalancing of power almost 15 years ago. And you've now decided to take a relook at the rebalancing of wealth in the Arab world and how that's changing the relationship to Asia, to the East, to China more specifically. And you're working on an update to that book with Adele. Um, Can you talk to me about your thesis then and how it's changing, what it is now and why now? Why are you revisiting? So over the last five years, the, the region's scale has only grown. Today, the New Silk Road accounts for 45% of the global economy. Uh, growth rates are faster than what we see in the advanced nations. But, but what's most striking uh, is that the, relation, or the, the region has gone beyond just pure goods trade We're now starting to see capital flows. We're seeing talent flows. We're seeing movement of technologies across the region. And all of that makes it far more exciting than it was 15 years ago when the idea of a, a new Silk Road was more, more nascent. And so that's the reason today to revisit that thesis. So the, the assets have expanded. The assets are changing. But can we take a step back and actually act, define the new Silk Road, define the geographies that we're actually referencing? So the, the, the New Silk Road uh, covers East Asia, Southeast Asia, South Asia, uh, and, and the Middle East. Uh, it accounts for four of the world's most exciting emerging uh, economies, whether that's China, India, uh, Indonesia, uh, and Turkey, as well as the, the UAE and Saudi Arabia, where uh, post-oil energy transitions are driving what is a fabulous growth story. Adel, for you, in terms of getting involved in engaging on this project, What are you seeing from your position in the UAE? What are you bringing to the table as, in terms of voice? And, you know, yeah. If you look at the, the, the Silk Road as a, as a history, it's the path where uh, goods has transported, but also that path has created prosperities for whatever that is. And I think right now what we're seeing is the emergence of Uh, I would say, series of partnerships creating a new Silk Road that is based on shared prosperity, where the relationship goes beyond being transactional, but actually how we can create both social and economic impact wherever that deal takes place. So there is an interest beyond the deal, actually towards more partnership. And that's what brings this, this block of geographies together that goes beyond just, you know, What can we do on, for example, energy transit? Like, what can we do for each other as, as nations and as people? 
Please go ahead. The Adil's point is, is so important that at a time of um, global political tension, uh, the New Silk Road economies are, are very practical and pragmatic in the way they find ways to work with each other, again, to achieve social prosperity, to achieve social impact. The region is, is home to two of the world's leading free trade agreements, uh, RCEP as well as CPTPP. So that commitment to free trade, free capital flow, free data flow is really important. The Gulf and the East are definitely not monoliths. These are really diverse economies with diverse demographics. And um, to tap into the economic potential that you're describing is going to take a, a lot of cooperation, a lot of ambition. You just referenced free trade agreements, but can you talk a little bit more about um, kind of this trend towards regionalization and how how these geographies can tap into regionalization over globalization? So the, the Asia region in particular used to be primarily a manufacturing hub for exports into Europe and, and the United States. But that has changed partly because of uh, the growth of domestic demand in the region. So today, 60% of the region's goods, whether that's Asia or the Middle East, are traded within the region. So it's local manufacturers selling to local buyers. Uh, and that in turn has forced businesses to look inwards, uh, to identify opportunities in neighboring countries or neighboring markets, whether that's between China and Saudi Arabia or Korea and, and Oman. Uh, and so that's one of the key changes we've seen over the last few years. And the, and the relationships between geographies, if you look at it, it's as if all of the stars uh, are being aligned. There is a government-to-government interest, which then complemented by the sovereign wealth funds with the different geographies. And then you've got the multinational companies and also the large uh, corporations within a country. So there is a common interest both ways, where from the top of the, you know, the, the head of countries all the way to the businesses, even funds that look into uh, uh, startups, uh, VC funds, uh, and you can see that the flow of capital going actually going to, to a very interesting, going both both ways. The road runs both ways, but I would say, okay, the region right now with all of the Vision 2030 plans, you referenced diversification efforts and how that's kind of created a new dynamic. It's given you reason enough to revisit this book. Um, Adele, can you actually frame us up and talk about Saudi Arabia, UAE, other Gulf nations, what the Vision 2030, what's at stake there? And what is the invitation to the wider world to achieve these ambitions? The, the, and as, as, as Ben mentioned, the, the current block is, is almost half of the world's economy, half of the world's GDP. So there is a massive opportunity that needs to be captured. And we are positioned in, a, in, in we have an advantage in terms of uh, geographical positioning, but also in terms of relationship that to um, uh, capital on that opportunity and start working on building, uh, whether leveraging the, 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 the funds, uh, the sovereign wealth funds, but also the way I see it's happening is kind of building those highways that allows of movement of not just capital, or, or historic as trades of goods, but also in terms of capital, in terms of investment, whether we invest in those countries, but actually attracting FDI back here. But also, we look at the entire block as a huge talent block where the mobility of that talent is actually the way we, we're going to be moving towards the future. All of this needs to be complemented with how technology needs to seamlessly, seamlessly be able to move from one region to other. For example, uh, you through the OE be able to access perhaps you know, a hail servicing uh, uh, app in Indonesia. 
or um, uh, if you want to, you know, uh, set up a, a factory in Vietnam, you can do this through Saudi Arabia. So the ability to tackle the block as a whole, where any entry point uh, is actually something that works, rather than you need to go through each country uh, separately. So this is this is the opportunity, and this is what what the region is currently aiming for. Whether you use the GCC or the Middle East as a way of accessing, for example, the manufacturing hubs uh, in Asia and India, but also using uh, uh, Asia for accessing the uh, funds and the and the private equity and the sovereign funds that are existing here in the Middle East. In terms of okay, so you touched on access to capital, access to logistics and infrastructure, and uh, this region is being just a, a gateway to the east. But what about tapping into talent here and actually being able to kind of bring on short just intellectual property and, and, ta- and talent development? How, how does that get done? And are you optimistic that it, it can get done? Because it's a huge need. You know, what, one of the most striking observations, um, personal observations uh, I've seen over the last 10 years has been the movement of talent in particular from, say, Hong Kong to Dubai. Uh, and that's talent across architecture, engineering, uh, is, is talent across uh, technology. And there's a recognition that um, uh, Dubai, for instance, offers, a, or the UAE offers a, a platform uh, for uh, Asia's talent to build out not only opportunities here in the Middle East, but even as far into, uh, into Africa. So you have uh, Chinese gaming companies uh, setting up offices here, uh, nurturing local talent, bringing in talent uh, from, uh, from China and the rest of Asia in order to grow the Middle East business, in order to expand into Africa. So it's those flows of talent that become quite interesting. I want to talk about, okay. And just one, yes. one So I think this also goes the other way around. You see lots of um, talents um, uh, from the region actually going to Asia for, for education. You've got... People went to South Korea for the uh, nuclear energy and the space program. Uh, you find more and more people moving from Western uh, universities to uh, universities based uh, out of Asia. For example, my son is studying precision engineering in Tokyo. Oh, wow. You must be very proud. I am. That's it. So I want to talk about China a little bit more. I know you will both say that this story goes beyond China, but they are reopening. And while it was isolating, somewhat ironically, it's biggest so its biggest export really was TikTok and it saw just massive popularity and i think what it kind of showed us was kind of what you're referencing here which is a kind of we're sort of geographic agnostic here in terms of where our tech comes from i think in the EU and North America there's kind of a preference towards Meta Apple Google whereas here a little more openness to Huawei um, and and eastern competitors what would you say then is the opportunity here in terms of technology flows and data flows. I mean, I think I've been talking to people about the precision medicine and life sciences opportunity here and diversity of data is a huge add value for biotech companies in terms of being attracted here. Would tech players be attracted to coming here because of the diversity of data? And when we talk about building pipelines beyond energy, is data one of them? Look, we, we see uh, the Middle East in particular uh, as being um, an open ecosystem, if you like, for American, European, but, but in particular Asian players uh, to come here and to set up. Uh, so whether that's uh, China's uh, AliCloud, uh, WeChat Pay, uh, Beidou satellite technologies, these are technologies that have challenges 
in Europe, the United States, particularly given the state of global politics. But uh, the, the the Middle East, the UAE, Saudi Arabia in particular, is an open, open ecosystem. And so you're seeing quite healthy competition here where, where firms in the region can select from, from the best, right? Uh, the best globally. And, and, that, and that's, again, what makes the, the, the region quite exciting and why China's reopening will be so important. You'll start to see those uh, uh, flights filling up again with business people uh, as, as they, they look for opportunities here in the region. I want to ask you, okay, so we've touched on technology, energy, China's massive customer of fossil fuels from here, but there needs to be a renewable story as well. So what is the energy transition? Where does the energy transition fit in the opportunity available to these geographies right now? So uh, Asia buys almost 80% of the Middle East's oil exports. So clearly that relationship is fundamentally very important. But both sides recognize that an energy transition is happening, uh, whether it's um, uh, uh, forced or not. Uh, and so you're starting to see uh, the two sides find ways to collaborate and jointly invest. What are some of the examples? Well, look at Korean investment into Amman's green hydrocarbon sector. Korea uh, currently buys almost 40% of Amman's uh, gas exports, uh, but is looking to diversify into uh, even cleaner energy sources, of which greener hydrocarbon could be and will be one of those opportunities. Uh, you see uh, Japan's uh, Japanese uh, industrial conglomerates investing in the UAE solar power sector, uh, again, recognizing uh, the opportunities to invest into that energy transition uh, in, in the Middle East. So the, the relationships between the two are naturally only get tighter, uh, given their dependency on, on each other in traditional or more dirty fuels. Adel, I want to ask you um, to, I'm sure in this conversation that you'll be having with Ben as you revise the book, we're talking about challenges and pitfalls, and what are the downsides of growing these relationships? Off the top of your head, what are some of the pitfalls here? We've been painting a rather rosy picture. Yeah, so the, there are, I mean, it's a, it's a large opportunity. However, it's also surrounded by so many challenges. Uh, one of the biggest challenges, there are so many moving parts, uh, different sets of regulations, different governments, and different interests. Uh, and usually to to build those relationships requires lots of coordination, which actually can uh, can take time. Uh, to me, this is one of the uh, one of the biggest challenges. The other challenges is actually um, drawing the lines or creating barriers from the different types of flow. Uh, ben started the conversation talking about the, the the flow of trade, talent, capital, and technology. Uh, I think it's very important, even with establishing bilateral agreements, to look at this as uh, as a whole not just, oh, we only need to do one and let's leave, uh, leave the other. I think um, having better coordination, having better um, uh, holistic approach are the first two steps in order to uh, take the most of this opportunity. Uh, a good example, I would say, uh, for example, the cooperation between the UE and South Korea on uh, nuclear energy, where there was not only, oh, we're gonna contract you to build the nuclear power plants, uh, but which is like the flow of, of uh, for for goods, if you can call that. But there's also the exchange of expert. There's the exchange of program. But then also there's a flow of capital. We're creating the joint venture here. So that's one of the good successful examples where this has been looked at holistically rather than just uh, transactional. Yeah, the Emirates Nuclear Energy Company, which has been 
powering on reactors in succession for the last couple of years, actually. Right. They really did lay a stake in cap and capacity building in order to get that off the ground. And I think the UAE Space Agency is another kind of prime example. Yesterday at the World Government Summit, uh, um, somebody from the space agency really advocated for it's no longer allowed to just sell us software. You actually have to um, teach us how to how how to use it so that we are kind of the owners of of our of our future in that way. Not not only this. It's not about just you know owning the buying the software or being trained the software, but actually owning uh, the source code that gives us the opportunity to develop this further. And and this is still one step from developing our own software, which uh, I know is taking place in certain pockets of the uh, of the space industry. Yeah, I mean, and elsewhere as well, MBZ, UAI, Mazdar, um, what's happening at Hub71, there's a lot of kind of pockets of homegrown innovation that we're starting to see spring up. But it is happening because the UAE has kept its doors open to international players. Um, ben, just kind of as a last word, can you... Um, Adil, describe for us the pitfalls and the challenges. Can you just add on to that? What is the invitation in your mind for the Gulf to Asia or vice versa? Um, so obviously, the opportunity is scale and growth. Um, the, the opportunity is to invest in what are some of the world's leading technologies, leading digital assets. So, so, so clearly, the, the opportunity is very exciting. The, the challenge, of course, will be building the bridges. Um, and over the course of the next six months, we'll actually be holding a series of senior executive roundtables, working with business leaders to understand uh, what they're doing. What are the practical steps they're taking uh, in order to, to build bridges between uh, large multinationals, sovereign wealth funds, or right down to the SME level? Uh, many of these bridges will be company, company specific. Some companies such as a Japanese Marubeni um, or um, a... Um, uh, uh, UAE Mubadala has more experience uh, than most. What we often find is most effective is where a firm has a team on the ground. So they have a local desk uh, with local language capabilities, local knowledge of the market, where that can be translated back into head office that allows for faster and more efficient decision making. Um, and that's one possible model going forward. But again, over the sec next six months, we'll be looking to hear from others and share them back to our uh, community and listeners. Uh, to understand how they can truly unlock new Silk Road opportunities. Ben, Adel, I wish you luck in the redrafting process. Thank you for being with me. Thank you. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. All that's left is to thank our production team and you for listening. See you next week.